everyone. Good morning. Welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf alongside Nick Wright, Kevin Wilds, Greg Jennings with us this morning. Gentlemen, we got a lot to get to today. Tom Brady finally opening up about why he left New England, when he knew, and who he likes to throw the ball to. That's where we start this morning. The rewarding performance sponsored by Capital One Venture Card. What's in your wallet? Here we go. Tom Brady opening up to Howard Stern yesterday. In an interview that shed some light on a lot of unanswered questions, the biggest one being Brady's departure from the Patriots. Why he decided to leave when he decided to leave. Brady said, I don't think there was a final, final decision until it happened. But I would say I probably knew before the start of last season that it was my last year. I knew our time was coming to an end. Nick, what did you make of Brady's comments? It's a stunning admission, even if it just confirms what some of us speculated throughout the season. And even though those of us who speculated it were shouted down by other colleagues or certainly Patriot fans. Think about what Tom Brady is saying. He is saying in August of 2019, he basically knew his time as a Patriot, the greatest run for any player with any one team in the history of sports, arguably, that there was an expiration date on it, that it was coming to a close. And think about the previous 30 months to that realization, what he had accomplished, and that it still wasn't enough for his coach, for his organization, to give him what he wanted in the contract extension. February of 2017, Tom Brady leads the greatest Super Bowl comeback ever, sets the record for passing yards in a Super Bowl, and sets the record for quarterback for Super Bowl wins by a quarterback. That's February of 2017. February of 2018, he wins league MVP. He breaks his own record for passing yards in a Super Bowl as the Patriots get to their second straight Super Bowl. February of 2019, just months before he comes to this realization, he leads a fourth quarter on the road comeback in the AFC Championship game. He goes back to another Super Bowl, their third straight, and they win their sixth championship. And five months later, he knows I'm done here. They no longer want me here. You could argue the 30 months prior to him coming to this realization, Wilds, were the most successful time, 30 months of time, any quarterbacks ever had. And yet that wasn't enough for Bill Belichick to want to bring him back. I, I wondered if that was the case all year. I was stunned to hear Brady confirm that it, in fact, was, Kevin. Yeah, Nick, you know, this was a radio interview, but it reminded me of a TV show. And that TV show is called Mythbusters. And the myth that was busted during the Howard Stern interview was that Bill Belichick somehow mismanaged the offensive personnel and put Brady in a spot where he couldn't succeed. All I kept on hearing, not enough weapons, not enough weapons. If you want to keep Brady, you've got to get more weapons on the team. And I think that was nonsense, and it never made any sense beginning all the way at last year's draft. Bill Belichick, first round, drafts Nikhil Harry. He has never drafted a wide receiver in the first round. In fact, the Patriots hadn't drafted a wide receiver in the first round since Terry Glenn was wearing throwback jerseys, and they were just called jerseys. Fast forward to week two, Bill Belichick puts out a receiving core that between them have 20,000 yards and 125 some odd touchdowns. Tonio Brown, 
Josh Gordon, and Julian Edelman. And you know what? None of it matters. We beat the Dolphins 43-0, but Tom Brady's house was on the market a month before. So anyone talking about Tom, uh, Belichick needed to add weapons, Tom Brady was on his Magic Johnson just being like, I'm not going to be here, Jenna. No, but all those months of success prior that Nick laid out before he made this decision, and he still decided he was going to leave anyway. Greg, did the timing of this decision surprise you? You know, it, it surprises us all, I believe, it, with the exception of Nick, because he called it and he feels like he was right from the jump. Um, but I think it surprises <laughs> us all as not only I as players, it. but as fans, because you see guys Where, who've been you've been <laughs> locked in for so long forever in that uniform. And that's just not the case. That's not what we were able to see with Tom Brady. But I think for me, looking at how this all transpired and listening to this interview, man, there's so many things that personally I pulled out from it because of experiences. I just recall when I was in Green Bay and going into my last contract year, knowing I, I don't think that I'm going to be here. And, and players have this innate ability to really pay attention, guys. <laughs> we do. We pay attention. And there's writing that is on the wall. And if you look at the writing that was on the wall with Tom Brady, even myself, there, there are certain things that organizations do and how they perform and how they navigate that will let you know everything you need to know before you need to make a decision. And so, yes, going into the season – he probably knew in his heart of hearts, I'm not going to be here. There's a strong chance I'm not going to be here. So what do I do now? I prepare everything around me, specifically myself and my family, for a change, a shift, something that may be abrupt to everyone around us. But we have been preparing for this the entire time because the writing was on the wall. And that's what Tom Brady experienced. And a lot of players experience that. They just don't say it, but a lot of players experience that very thing. So, Nick, you were on this very early on, coming off the, the, the prior success that he had. You still thought Tom Brady was going to leave. I know this didn't completely surprise you, but, but there was something there that made Tom Brady say, okay, now I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mental, his mentality yeah, was going to go into the season when he play, realized but this is it. Jenna, it was that he realized it, it, that it is never going to be about what I have accomplished. It is only ever going to be about what they anticipate I will accomplish. And my track record of unprecedented success has bought me precisely nothing. Tom Brady came to this realization while he was the defending Super Bowl champion, the three-time consecutive defending AFC champion, and the ten-time consecutive defending AFC East champion. Think about that. I, I don't know about you guys, but I spent last night watching, re-watching, because it was rebroadcast, game six and seven of the 26, 2013, pardon me, NBA Finals. That was the great Heat Spurs series that went seven, Ray Allen shot in game six. And it really, it felt apropos to this discussion because Tim Duncan that year was first team all NBA carried his team to the finals, and they lost. Similar to Brady, by the way, in 2017 when he won league MVP, but they lose in the Super Bowl. 
The very next year, Duncan was not quite as good. The team, though, was even better, and they won a championship, similar to Brady in 2018 when they get back to the Super Bowl and they win it. Can you imagine if the following offseason Popovich was like, hey, Timmy, just want to let you know, we're going to let this contract play out, but then you're done. Don't need you. Don't want you. If you want to play ball, you should try to do it elsewhere. We would have said, are you are you kidding me? That's Tim Duncan. But that is exactly what Belichick did with Brady. And I know people will say, well, it's what happened with Montana and Favre and Rodgers. Those are totally different situations. When Favre, when Wilds, when the Packers moved on from Favre, he was a decade removed from the Super Bowl and from his last MVP. When the Niners moved on from Montana, he had played one game in the previous two years. When the Colts moved on from Manning, he was coming off major neck surgery. And all those guys had Hall of Fame level talents waiting in the wings. Brady was coming off as good of a 30 months as he had ever had. And they had Jared Stidham waiting in the wings, Wilds. And they still made this decision before we even saw him fall off the cliff this year. It maybe speaks to Belichick, Kevin, being able to see what's coming, but it has to be just a gut shot for Brady. So I think that's fascinating, Nick. But one thing I didn't hear in the interview, and Greg, you tell me if you heard it, there didn't seem to be any animosity towards Belichick. In fact, Brady was like, I get it. I started to get into uncharted territory. It's his job as a coach to plan for the next chapter. And I was kind of like, he didn't know what's going to happen. I get it. That's his job. I was like, wow, there is such perspective and a vulnerability to Brady that he was admitting that I thought it was fascinating. And it didn't seem like he had any ill will towards Belichick at all, Jenna. Greg, so that's interesting. What Because the, the, yesterday we talked about the article he penned about how he felt angry and he didn't really talk about Bill Belichick at all and he moved on. I like that your takeaway was that you felt like he came at this interview in an easier spirit, sort of comfortable with his decision. But as a player, Greg, I wonder, what's your mentality going into the season when, you've, when you already know that you're out? When you know that this is probably going to be your last season or the guys that are playing with you. Do you think they look back and they say, oh, now I can kind of see and put pieces together knowing that this might have been his last season? As a player, is that, is that hard to reconcile? It's a challenge because you got to think, the game that we love to play is probably more mental than it is physical. We see the physical part of it and we become enamored with that. But there are so many mental pieces and men mental games within the game that you have to play with yourself. And so having that literally be something that you have to compartmentalize every time you step on the football field that being practice as well and going into the locker room and going into meeting rooms and sitting in front of Coach Belichick and Robert Kraft, knowing in your heart of hearts, like, no, we, we, we're we not moving forward beyond this. That is a challenge. And Brady was able to do it. And I think one of the words that I would throw out there that really stood out to me in this entire interview was his self-awareness. Tom Brady's self-awareness, it, it just, it, I'm, I'm, I'm enamored at it. I'm, I'm in awe of it every time I listen to him communicate to us because he never goes outside of what he understands it to be, the business. And when you hear him talk about 
his relationship with Bill Belichick and what he would have done if he were a coach, not that he's going to be a coach, but he would have been doing the same things. His ability to be so self-aware is something that players just do not do because they get so caught up in the moment of where they are and what they've done. And this league has taught us that, or people have said all the time, it's about what have you done for me lately? Nick, but you just said something that I wrote down. It's not so, not only so about what have you done for me lately, it's also about what I believe as an owner, as a coach, that you can provide for me next. Because that's what's important. What you did is great, but it's going to also let me know what you can potentially offer me moving forward. And I think that's what Bill Belichick did not see from Tom Brady, what he could offer this team moving forward. And, and I think that's clearly the case, Greg, and it's a great point. And Wilds, you're absolutely right, and I'll be quick here, but, and I want to be fair, though, that Brady was as magnanimous as one could possibly be. But he would have to have yep. a Dalai Lama level of internal peace to not have been hurt by this. He does. Because he clearly believes Belichick's wrong. He clearly believes he can still play, that he can still be a championship-level quarterback. And Jenna, I do think this gives us a window into some of his frustration early in the year. If you remember, Al Michaels said, Tom Brady, the most miserable 8-0 quarterback ever. Maybe if Brady believed they're in this with me for the long haul, he wouldn't have cared about the manner in which they were winning. But when he knows you guys are getting rid of me after this year and he didn't feel he had the weapons around him, he didn't feel the game plan was one set up to really exhibit his strengths as much as the defense. I, I think there was some anger and bitterness, at least at the time. Maybe he's gotten over it or maybe he's a great actor and he's just trying to be the ultimate teammate. But, Jen, I would think it's impossible for him not to be at least wounded by what's happened over the last nine months. Here's a message from our sponsor, Zip Recruiter. Right now, we cannot be overwhelmed. We have to work to keep our loved ones safe and protect our communities. We have to work to stay strong, to stay connected, to stay focused. We have to work to inspire, to innovate to build new solutions. But for all of this to work, we have to work together. At ZipRecruiter, we connect employers and people every day. But today is different. We are partnering with first responders, government officials, the medical community, the innovators, and the manufacturing, transportation, and food distribution industries to make sure we are finding the right people for the right jobs right now. Let's work together. ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. Time now for drawing the blank. All right, so Brady went on Howard Stern yesterday, tackled a plethora of topics, one of which was his legacy. Brady's saying, I never cared about legacy. I could give an expletive about that. Nick, Brady not giving an expletive about his legacy is blank. Oh, I think it's ahistorical, and I think we have proof to back that up. Now, I believe, Brady, that as a high schooler, he wasn't worried about his legacy. And right now, he's not worried about his legacy because it's already cemented. But what about, you know, the mid-2010s when he hadn't won a Super Bowl in a decade? 
when Peyton Manning was setting records with the Broncos, when the Broncos had just beaten the Patriots in the playoffs. If only we had a, a, a record of how we felt at the time. Oh, wait, we do. We have an email from Tom that got leaked as part of the Deflategate investigation when he said in relation to his rivalry with Peyton Manning, which is all about legacy, I've got another seven to eight years. He's got another two game on. So I don't begrudge Brady this at all, and he has the greatest legacy of any football player ever. But there was a point in time where legacy mattered to him, Greg Jennings. Yeah, I think it's heavy. It's quite heavy because there's so many elements that we're learning that are that make up Tom Brady, and this is one of them. And I, I, I'm I'm hearing him when he says he wasn't concerned about legacy, and I, I agree because as a player, you don't really think about that, but you care about wins. And what wins will do is will allow you to get a peek into what your legacy could potentially be. And I think that was something that drove him so much winning and winning at all costs, regardless of his health, regardless of his physical makeup. He believed that he could fabricate a way to win every single time he stepped foot on the gridiron. Jenna, I'm going with uh, my barber's mirror. And here's why. I know it sounds weird, but it'll make sense. One of the interesting parts of Brady's interview is he says, I don't view myself as Tom Brady. I don't. That's outside looking in. I'm inside looking out. I was like, oh, that's right. That's how I feel about my barber. It's the end of my haircuts. The barber will come around and show me what he did in the back of my head and the neck. And I look at him and I say, I don't care. I never see that, and I don't care. As long as it's not a total disaster, it's fine. It's totally fine. And I think that's how Brady views his legacy. I don't care about that. I'm looking this way, not about how everyone else is looking at me. That's great. That's funny. That's great. Just by the way, that's that must that must be a gender thing, because I do care about what it looks like. I, no, gender, uh, Tom I care also too. talked about his... Okay, good. Tom also talked about his relationship with Bill Belichick, saying, quote, I can't do his job and he can't do mine. Oh, I don't know. I think Belichick can do this. Pliability stretches. Nick, Brady and Belichick's relationship is blank. Complicated. I don't believe that Belichick just was counting down the days till he could get rid of Tom Brady. I think Belichick loved coaching Brady and appreciates what he did for him. And I don't believe Brady, you know, hates Belichick, that he wouldn't include him in his Hall of Fame speech because he didn't want to keep him with the Patriots as long as Brady wanted to stay with the Patriots. But I do believe, like any two-decade-long relationship between two very headstrong people, there are going to be some complications complicated the most by the fact that the power dynamic in this relationship was totally skewed. Belichick had all of it. Brady had none of it. And I think it came to a head, obviously, this past offseason. So I don't buy that these are two people that dislike each other, but I also think they're two people that had very differing views about how to move forward. And so I think that's a complicating factor. So I think this is a very complicated relationship, Greg Jennings. I think it's a very pure relationship. And what I mean by that is oh. both sides really, I think, was able were able to express exactly how they felt. Um, Tom Brady being able to express his feelings as, as part of being a patriot 
and literally living out the Patriot way for two decades. And then Belichick letting him know, like, look, you've been a part of this. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we operate. And Brady understanding that and being able to walk away knowing that at the end of the day, I, I did know. I knew what I was getting into. I knew what we were all about. And that's what created the success that we were able to have. So I think it, it's it's a pure relationship. So uh, Peaky Blinders on Netflix has been my quarantine watch. It's going to lead a few things. One, to more Peaky Blinders references in the show. And uh, two, I might be head to toe in full tweed, multiple layers of tweed. But here's why I say it's Peaky Blinders. The leader of the gang of the Peaky Blinders, guy Tommy, he's oh, people are always trying to take him out, and he never gets mad. He goes over, it's like, I get it, you're trying to take me out. Here, here's how I view it. Can we, can we work this out? And there was a part in the interview where Tom Brady's like, yeah, I get it. I started to get up there in age. It's Bill Belichick's job. Of course he's going to try to take me out. That's what he's supposed to do. So to me, it reminded me exactly of Peaky Blinders. All right, I have to jump in real quick, Jenna. I apologize. I know we have to move on okay. to the next thing. This is not just for Kevin Wilds. I'm not attacking you, Kevin, I promise. This is for everyone. <laughs> America. You, can we please stop treating Peaky Blinders like it's The Sopranos or Seinfeld, as Jenna would know? It, it is not a show Seinfeld. that is so ubiquitous you can just reference and people understand it. Everyone's okay. trying to shove this Peaky Good. Blinders propaganda down my throat. People are like, oh, Nick, you're doing your hair like the guy on Peaky Blinders. The hell are you talking about? It's like there's too many shows. There's too many platforms. People keep referencing this show. Now I feel like I'm obligated to watch it to understand pop culture. And it's making me angry. Just well, I so need a while, friend. I'm no one's watching you, it. But, but I okay, okay. exactly. I agree. America I keeps agree telling me I have to watch it. It's Seinfeld or bust when it comes to what America should know. And let's move on quickly. Let's talk to Jameis Winston, who surprisingly was more than excited to get replaced by Tom Brady. But Jameis saying, quote, for you to get replaced by Tom Brady in a city that you love so much, I guess that's kudos to me. Nick, Jameis saying it's an honor to be replaced by Tom Brady is blank. I'm going to say Pollyanna-ish. So like Pollyanna, where you're so optimistic that you just, it, everything's a positive. The reason I say that is James framed this as if they were going to keep me, but they could get the greatest of all time. That is not what happened, bro. Like they were going to move on from you no matter what. And they happened to get the greatest quarterback of all time. I applaud the optimism. And in these times, we need more of it. But I think it's a little Pollyanna-ish, Greg. I think it's voracious, man. When I look at it and I think about where he's coming from and why he's saying it, he's hurt. He's hurt. And this is the only thing that would make it make sense to him is to tell himself, like, look, they, they replaced me with the greatest of all time. Uh, Jen, I'm going uh, RZA versus Premier. Nine o'clock on Saturday, just announced. I'll be uh, just there on my phone watching RZA versus Premier. Premier will win, and I'll be like, wow, I can't believe RZA lost. It's like, ah, you lost to the greatest DJ uh, producer of all time. So RZA Premier for me. Back here, first things first, with Steelers All-Pro defensive end Cam Hayward. Cam, thanks so much for joining us. How are you staying busy? Yes, thank you for having me. 
I'm good. Um, uh, we're just uh, I'm playing with my kids a lot, uh, working out, watching TV. Uh, that's about all I can do right now. Cam, tell me something you're doing during this quarantine time that in a million years you probably wouldn't have either had time or the wherewithal to do before around the house. Ooh, uh, around the house, man. Uh, my wife's been putting me to work, uh, whether it's uh, fixing uh. stuff, uh, cleaning out the vacuum, uh, putting it back together, uh, all these different things I've been meaning to get to but finally got to. Cam, you're part of arguably the greatest draft class Ever. There was a discussion going on on Twitter earlier this week about that 2011 draft class. The, the top 12 has like seven guys that might be Hall of Famers, a few more all pros. Right. You come in at the very end of the first round. You're an all pro. I, I, I'm curious. Do you think it's the best draft class of all time? And what camaraderie do you have amongst yourself and those other luminaries in the league? Man, uh I'm biased because I'm part of that draft, but uh, I definitely think it's one of the, the best drafts ever. Um, we had 12 D linemen in the first round, um, you know, and then you look at the guys who weren't in the first round, whether it's Terrell Casey or Richard Sherman, um, and they've had really good careers. Richard's a Hall, Hall of Famer in my book. Um, but, you know, to produce that amount of talent and then to see those guys um, every weekend, week out, dominate, uh, it's self-assuring to know that uh, the guys that went before me were, were deserving of it. Cam, you had an interesting tweet. I wanted to get your reaction to it. You said, uh, don't be surprised or don't act surprised. And what you were retweeting was the fact that Ohio State sent more people through the NFL draft than any other college, 131 people. So what does that say about Ohio State's program? And who are you excited to see coming out this year? Uh well, I think everybody knows Ohio State's been a pipeline for so long, um, whether it's the post-Tressel era uh, with Malcolm Jenkins, myself, James Laurinaitis, uh, Nate Ebner, who was a great special teamer for uh, the Patriots. But then you get the Urban Meyer era where you had guys um, all over Ryan Shazier, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas. Um, and now we have the Ryan Day era where we're going to have guys like Chase Young, who I'm really excited about seeing. Um, I've been excited about him since last year where I saw him dominate versus Penn State. So uh, to see him do it at the NFL level is going to be fun. Um, I'm excited for his career. Uh, he's a heck of a kid. Cam, we heard from Ben Roethlisberger uh, for the first time in a while, about a week ago. I guess you guys have a beard thing happening, all you <laughs> players that are quarantined right now. His is, his is Sorry, good. Sorry, we don't, have, we don't have a barber hey, wait, right now. Come, <laughs> no, I get it. Believe me, I get it, all of us. So... He added some interesting comments about uh, his availability if the season is to start on time. And he said um, he'll be ready when it's time. Are you confident Ben will be the same quarterback he was before the elbow injury? He's been out a while now. Yeah, you know, but I look at it as time. It's, it's time for his body to heal. Um, you know, you look at LeBron taking that time off last year, finally getting a chance to rest from the playoffs. Um, and I kind of look at it like that where Ben gets a chance to relax and let his body, you know, catch back up. So um, I know he looks like he's been on Castaway, but, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see where he's going to be out at the end of this. <laughs> but it looks like he's been on Castaway. I I, I got to ask you two things. So one quickly here, right. uh, uh, Cam. I the, Are the pictures just not flattering? 
Because he looks like you in the beard. He also looks like he might be the same weight as you right now. Like, either dispel or confirm those rumors. Then I got something else to ask you. I just, I just think Let's the beard him. makes it way, makes your face way bigger. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I know I have a big head, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, I think for Ben, um, the beard's going to make, make, make you look bigger than you are. Um, but I think he's been doing a great job of staying in shape. Uh, I actually think he was doing a lot of cardio uh, throughout the season, um, just trying to make sure he didn't fall her off. So uh, I don't think he's, he's going to be looking pudgy out there when we get out on the football field. Okay. Okay. Good. I was. I, unless, unless we start around concerned. Christmas, and he's going to come off a Christmas dinner, so I don't know. And then it, <laughs> then it would be a problem. Uh, all right. I, I want to follow up though with Mike Tomlin. Tomlin's mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl, been to another one, never had a losing season, and somehow when sure. we talk about the best coaches in the NFL. It's like, hey, Sean McVay's up there. Hey, what about Kyle Shanahan? Well, Belichick's obviously there. There's Andy Reid. Tomlin somehow gets left out, even though, aside from Belichick, put his resume up against any coach of his era, and it's right there. In your opinion, what makes Mike Tomlin such an effective head coach, and what is it like playing for him? You know, I think a lot of people talk about he's a player's coach, um, but I think the thing that stands out is he has personal and professional relationships with everybody. Um, he knows how to motivate me uh, in different ways from the next guy. Um, and that's why I think the player relationship matters. But uh, when it comes to the football field, um, he knows how to motivate me and, you know, test me and be more petty towards me when he gets a chance. Uh, but I appreciate that. And the consistency, I think, uh, goes a long way. It's hard to, in this in this league to win, um, and when you can do it at a consistent level, uh, it should be appreciated. Cam, you said you wanted to be a Steeler for life. I'm a Patriots right. fan, and uh, Tom Brady said uh, Patriot for life after he signed for Tampa Bay. That was like, oh, geez, it was a disaster <laughs> for me. So for you, how important is it for you to finish your year, or excuse me, finish your career in Pittsburgh? Uh, well, being born from here, um, this being my dream team, uh, I couldn't ask for a better situation. Uh, I've had a lot of success here, but there's still things I want to accomplish here. But uh, my family's set here. Um, I'm just very appreciative to be in a spot like this. Um, I, doesn't, I know it doesn't come around this often, and you know, guys don't get to end up where they want to uh, through the draft. So um, I'm just very appreciative of that. So we always ask players, you know, who defensive players, you know, which quarterback do you want to go up against, you know, offensive players, who do you most fear on the other side of the ball? But coming off Wilds Brady question here, what would keep you up at night more heading into a Patriots game, Brady or Belichick, Cam? Oh, um, I, I think on the field, you got to go with Brady just because um, he has that uh, that rapport with the receivers in the past. So that's going to be interesting to see him address that from here on out, uh, going a new squad and a new team. Because Edelman's been like there forever. Uh, and, you know, when he gets into a rhythm with Edelman, it's over. Um, but Belichick's always going to have those wrinkles. Um, him and uh, McDaniels do a great job of game planning. Um, and you got to make sure you go back in the archives to make, you, make sure you're ready for those games. All right. Well, Cam, we really appreciate you joining us this morning. Back here, first things first, time for stories to start your morning, sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. 
So Tom Brady went on Howard Stern yesterday, a two-hour interview that covered everything from his departure to his marriage and a few details in between. Nick, what was your biggest takeaway here? Uh, there's so many good ones. I know we've talked at length about Brady finding out before, realizing before the year that it was going to be his final year in New England. I think that is incredibly fascinating and telling about how Belichick views only looking forward rather than looking in the past. You referenced the relationship stuff. I, Man, I got to say, as a married man, I thought what Brady said there was super helpful. It really made me feel better. Like, oh, even Tom Brady gets told at home, I don't care what you do at work. You need to be more present here at home. I'm like, oh, everyone deals with that. Maybe I should be a little more understanding of my wife. But on a non-personal note, the other big takeaway was Wilds, what he said about, I just, coach knows, if I don't trust a wide receiver, I won't throw him the ball. That was super informative. And I think it speaks to the fact that some of the issues with the Patriot offense last year were on Brady's lack of willingness to how do you build trust you're gonna have to throw a ball to jacoby myers that gets picked off because he goes the wrong direction how do you create explosive plays you're gonna have to take chances with guys like Nikhil harry when he comes back from his injury so i thought brady was very honest in that but i also think it speaks to some of the issues the patriot offense had last year wilds and maybe some issues he could have with the bucks if he doesn't instantly have trust with Godwin and Mike Evans. I, I think that I agree. I think that's fascinating. I wonder how that informs what we're going to see with Bruce Arians whole offense, which is based on risk. And Tom Brady basically came out and say, like, if I don't trust him, it's the opposite of risk. Arians going to be like, trust, trust, trust. It's going to take the Ravens model right away from uh, Lamar. I'll tell you what I thought was interesting, <laughs> Jenna. Big trust. Um, <laughs> I thought when he was talking about uh, the power of positivity, and it wasn't just a platitude. He was really talking about how he struggled in Michigan and he was not getting enough reps and he went to talk to a sports psychologist and he even got a little emotional. I thought it was fascinating. And he said that that trouble time in Michigan when he was trying to get practice snaps informed the Falcon Super Bowl where he would turn things and be like, what can I control? This is going to be great. It's positive thinking. I know it sounds like a Hallmark card, but he really believes it. I thought it was fascinating. For me, it was Greg, so much that you could. For me, it was so much that you could take away from this. Number one, his self-awareness. Uh, number two, he talked about. Um, when you're when you're not their guy, it's a different dynamic. And he talked about his experience mm -hmm. at Michigan and him in that four month span, you know, the coach being let go or taking a new job and then the coordinator taking a new job and him coming in and having to fight. And this is this was indicative on his entire career, really being a guy that had to fight, even though he was Belichick's guy, it was almost like you're the you're the kid, but you're kind of the one that's you have no resemblance outside of phys physical talents. You just have my smarts. And if you can tap into that, it'll propel you beyond what any one of my other kids could potentially do. And so that's what I feel like I saw with Tom Brady and his relationship. He took advantage of 
Bill Belichick taking a chance on me, and he said it himself. When you take a chance on me, I feel like I owe you everything. My body, my mentality, like everything that I have to give, I'm going to give it to you. And that's what he did. And I believe that this is what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to get. We don't know what it will look like, but they're going to get every ounce of Tom Brady that he could possibly provide them, whatever that means and whatever that entails. And I'm I'm interested to see what it looks like and how it turns out. All right, Nick Howard Stern got to a lot with Tom Brady yesterday. But if you were to sit down with him and ask him one question that wasn't asked, what would it be? Yeah, I, listen, Stern is one of the greatest interviewers ever, so this isn't a critique. But I would have liked to know, did the Patriots ever actually make you a firm contract offer? Was there, does Robert yeah. Kraft, you know, said, I think it was to the Boston Globe, if he wanted to be here, he would have been here. And, there, and there's been speculation, how much money would they be willing to spend? But was there ever an offer to your agent, Don Yee, Here's the offer, one year, X million dollars that you slid back across the table. Or was it Wilds, what he alluded to, that he knew before the season even started that they weren't really interested in age 43 Tom Brady? I would have liked to know that, Kevin. God, that's brutal. So, I mean, I guess there's a chance that Belichick made him the godfather offer. Here's my offer. Nothing like that would just be brutal for like the Tom Brady story I'm telling in my head. Oh, uh, here's the question that I wanted to ask. And I know Tom Brady would have danced around it because it's a hypothetical. But, Greg, I'll ask it to you and you can answer it as Greg Jennings or you can answer it as Tom Brady if you want, whatever you want. The whole interview. Well, there's a lot of parts about the interview that were about a balance of personal and professional success and how he had to trade those off. And now that we're entering this Tampa Bay phase of Tom Brady's career, would he rather go through the mud and win a Super Bowl or have a very pleasant experience, a very balanced experience, and not make the playoffs? And I don't know where he's at right now. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that, Greg. Wow, that's that's interesting. You know, I truly believe I'll answer this as myself first. Um, I would rather go through the mud. And and if I could guarantee that I'm going to make the playoffs and have a chance to win the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, I'm going to go through the mud because my experiences of what my goal is, if I'm able to accomplish that, Everything that I encountered and endured was worth it. And now I can have a better perspective even on that. When you go through something that is as balanced and as even kill, it's kind of hard to gauge was I challenged? Did I challenge myself enough? Did I do enough? If there's not that adverse type of situation, that grind, that feeling of I got to literally crawl my way out of this situation you kind of feel like mm, it wasn't as challenging as it could have been or I thought that it should have been or maybe my goals or my standards should have been higher or loftier. So I, I, I would rather go through the mud. I really would. 
Moving forward, Greg, you should answer all questions as if you were Tom Brady. It would just help out the show a lot. Uh, moving on to the <laughs> Carolina Panthers now. Their new head coach, Matt Rule, said they felt they had oh, to release video. Cam Newton and that Teddy Bridgewater is a perfect fit. Wilds loves the black and white. Start with you, Nick, though. You agree with what Matt Rule and the Panthers decided to do? I I do not, and I can't think of a precedent for it. They, they The Panthers moving off a 30-year-old whose upside we have seen is league MVP because ostensibly of injury concerns to move to a 27-year-old whose upside that we've seen is solid starter who has played, started five games in basically the last five years because of what? A major massive injury derailed his career and that they did it in order to pay that player more per year over multiple years with real money guaranteed rather than have the player with the higher upside wilds on a one-year tryout with no money guaranteed. It's just, it's puzzling to me. So uh, he can say what he wants about fit for his new offense. I can't think of a precedent for this decision, Kevin. So if we give Matt Rule the, the benefit of the doubt, and that Teddy Bridgewater is a better fit and Cam wasn't going to work. It's still, this whole process reminds me of like surgeons in old movies where there's like, ah, oh, you got gangrene. We've got to hack off your leg. And you, here's the belt and here's a bottle of whiskey. You're like, glug, glug, like, like, ah, hack it off. Like, all right, maybe it was the right decision, but it was just such a brutal, brutal process to release your best player in the history of your franchise it should have just been smoother and nicer and just more sterile wow. it was as just, brutal as so that answer just, what? my goodness it's the morning what? time no, it's just it's a movie that's why i said movie <laughs> surgeon because like well it's all fake okay so i just thought it was a brutal process it could have been much easier for me i think when I look at it, I go back to the Brady interview. When you're not their guy, it's a different dynamic. It's a completely different approach. This is this has been the case for collegiate athletes, which is why they fought so mightily to be able to transfer when a coach decides to move on and jump ship. They feel like, well, let me have that opportunity because I know that the coach coming in is not going to view me the way that the coach leaving did. And so this is this is Matt Rule, Teddy Bridgewater. He explained it, his relationship with Teddy Bridgewater, the things that he saw, the way that he carried himself. He was taught he could talk the verbiage already. He had the work ethic. He has this hunger. And I truly believe that when you look at that relationship and the upside there, he thought, you know what, that's more fitting. That's that's a guy that's going to come in with the mindset of work versus a guy like Cam Newton, who has all the potential in the world. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's going to feel entitled. Maybe he's going to think that this is my house. This is my domain. And you have to convince me. And then also, maybe he just thought that he could let this transaction happen in 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 the shadows and it being the shadows of Tom Brady and all of what was going on in New England, and nobody really cared about it because it's in Carolina and it's Cam Newton and he's been injured. And Tom Brady would just take all the, the media hype and all the attention. 
I don't know, but I don't think that when what or I should say, I think that what Tom Brady said in his interview is it's spot on. When you're not their guy, it's a different dynamic, period. It's great insight, Greg. All right, let's talk some basketball now. So the NBA is working on a televised horse competition that will reportedly include Chris Paul, Trey Young, and Zach Levine. Don't worry, Trey already tweeted to Levine. There will be no dunking. And can I add, probably no defense. That was a Jenna ad. Greg, who would you most want to see join Levine, Trey Young, and CP3 in the competition? Uh, in the competition, I would most want to see uh, Devin Booker. Devin Booker is a guy that can kind Love of do Devin it all, Booker. can shoot. I do. I do. He can shoot. He can do it all. But I'm, I'm more interested to see how this is going to take place because as a as an athlete and, and a competitor, it's all about even and equal playing fields. And so if I'm shooting on one rim with a different ball or in different element, like, oh. yeah, I'm questioning that. Like, wait a minute. I, I don't I don't know. My, my ball may be a little different. My wow. rim may be a double rim. Subterfuge. There are different things. There are different elements. Absolutely. Um, Nick, I'm going to go with, uh, they said the recent alums can play. We did a shoot a long time ago uh, with Allen Iverson, and he was starts to, he's dribbling a football. It was like, he was just, I think he was arriving at the set. We're doing a show called It's the Shoes uh, on another network. Uh, and I Iverson dribbles the football. It's on YouTube. So I want to see Iverson in. He can come and dribble the football, get some layups, and win the competition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're expanding it to, uh, re to alumni, then I want to see the greatest college basketball player ever. I've been told Michael Jordan involved in this. I'm sure he'll win. He's never lost anything. He, he's still obviously the, the most clutch guy we've ever seen. Everyone else would just melt in his wake, even if it's via Zoom. So okay. MJ, in his palatial estate in the North Carolina area, let's see him fire it up. I mean, I see no reason why he not. I mean, it would be unfair, of course, to Trey Young and others. They would have no chance against the legend that is Michael Jordan. But if it's open to alums, Jenna, I say get MJ involved. Bye. I like it. All right. Well, with the NBA season in jeopardy, LeBron James said, quote, I don't think I would be able to have any closure if we didn't have an opportunity to finish the season. Nick, this got to you. What did you make of LeBron's comments? Well, listen, obviously there are much bigger issues at play here, but when we're talking about LeBron personally and the Lakers, I'm sure this would be absolutely as bitter as any end of a season could be. You think about it, since he won the title, the next year the Warriors add Durant and they don't win. The next year he has the 51-point game won and they blow it in overtime and they don't win. The next year he gets hurt and then this year, they're the best team and the favorite. If it doesn't happen, I understand why it'd be a lack of closure for LeBron. Jenna. Good stuff. All right, that'll do it for us today. We are back here tomorrow morning. Stay safe, stay healthy, everyone. See you tomorrow.